you're you're not dressed up as a saint. How should a saint be dressed, Father Harrison? I mean, not like you, because you aren't one. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I mean, yes, I mean, yes, I am not a saint. That is that is correct. I guess I don't know why you'd start this show being so mean to me, but fine. I am purifying you uh-huh. for holiness. Okay, that's what they call it now. Yeah, you're just that's gonna right. sit there with your, you know, sit there with your big gulp and tell me know, how unholy I am. As Thank you know, you. it's like to be a good Catholic, you have to dress up on All Saints Day. It's the only thing you should do because you know, dressing up as like a ninja turtle is a tool of the devil for Halloween. Especially those Italian turtles, they are they are the worst. Um, what, what do you? Sorry, I guess you're celebrating the feast day with your big gulp. That's well. It's actually a Slurpee. They didn't have the this cup size, so they had the big gulp ah, cups there. Well, I'm, I'm I'm happy for you. I am celebrating the feast day by wearing some casual clothes because I'm getting ready to go on my day off. Yeah, uh, I guess people realize now that we're recording on All Saints Day. Like, like this is this is just weird to me. It's like you get you get uh, you get All Souls Day off. Isn't that that's kind of a big day? It's not. It's not even the Holy Day of Obligation, though, is it? All Souls Day, no. But All Souls Day is more is All Saints Day a Holy Day of Obligation for you guys? Yes. Okay. Um. You know, but I find I don't know in Canada. So in Canada, All Saints Day is not because we don't want to be saints. I'll talk more that's about this later. I'll talk very more understandable. Um, but um. I find All Souls Day a very popular one. It's like it's kind of like Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. A lot of Catholics who never come to Sunday Mass come on these days. Well, there's a good chance, you know, if if you've had a if you're like you don't go to Mass very often, but you had a Mass for a grandparent or a loved one who's died, there's a good chance you're going to show up on All Souls Day. Um, right. You know, it's one of those things. But yeah. wait, I know this is your intro, but this has got me thinking. Like, why isn't All Souls Day a Holy Day of Obligation? Like all saints, the saints don't need us. They don't need us to be praying and stuff. Somebody but the souls, they're the ones who need mass. Was that? Someone did office readings this morning. Yes, yes, that's true. Who <laughs> <laughs> was it? Bernard okay, saying quickly, that? This, uh, told, uh, yeah, St. Bernard. That was another quick aside. I was reading. I'm like, this is actually like a very kind of quote unquote modern uh, yes. homily or sermon for St. Bernard. Like the way he's going about everything. I was like, this is uh, this is not very medieval in a cool way. I was like, it was very unexpected and fun. And mm-hmm. that was really cool. Um, I mean, I think that's... F- so you're saying we should be... Ob- the question becomes then, are our prayers as efficacious that they are obliged? Um, I think they are. Um, <laughs> if the church obliges them. But Listen, also... What? I think we should just make every day a holy day of obligation. It wouldn't bother me. I go to Mass every day. It's no skin off my back. I don't care. I, I, easy peasy. I mean, it's nice and easy that way. Yeah. Just yeah. make every day a holy day of obligation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. See, I see no problems with this. I see no problems with this either. Yeah. You no, obviously just have mass have every day. Mass for, I just have one mass today. I have two masses tomorrow for, for mm-hmm. All Souls Day, and um, I'll do one in the morning, one in the evening for those who work and stuff like that, and we'll kind of pray for those who've died the past year there as well. And uh, if, it looks like it's going to be nice weather, so I'm going to throw out a bunch of candles, and we're going to go to the cemetery next to the parish. And, oh, that's good. And pray for the dead there. I think that's good, a nice good, little good. thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm also just getting ready for my next uh, study break. I leave on, well, I guess it'll have been Thursday by this point when you listen to the podcast, uh, when, mm-hmm. it, when it you know drops on Friday like it usually does. It always uh, drops on Friday. Always drops, always drops on Friday. Always uh-huh. drops on Friday. Um, 
<laughs> um, uh, I am going to, I mean, I'm a little bit moving around a bit. I am off to South Bend for my next uh, study leave, which will be good. I'm giving a paper at the uh, fall conference there. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see me, if you're in there, that area, uh, come to the fall conference. That's what I will be willing to hang out with people. Otherwise, what's, what's your paper on? What's, what are you talking about? I am talking about, I think the title is Creatio Ex Nihilo, uh, Ratzinger, Ratzinger's Theology of Creation and the Sacramentality of Nothingness. That sounds dope. It's pretty dope. It's the sacramentality of nothingness is intriguing to my brain. Well, this is my thesis. I, I can only do a paper if it's at least going to, even if it's not going to be quote unquote like in the thesis, it's going to help me explore ideas in the thesis and to work right. out some ideas. So thesis it's not done adjacent. Yet. Yeah, it's not done yet, but the idea is kind of all settled there. So that's kind of sure. cool. I also found out I'm moderating a session on the Saturday now. Like, Oh, look at you. So I'm giving a paper and I'm moderating. Wow. Yeah. And I'll be going to the... Uh, Clemson Notre Dame game on Saturday. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm have not... you gone to an American football game? Never. Well, that'll be that'll just be a whole new experience it's for you. It's a cultural experience, you know. Beautiful. It is a cultural experience. Um. Um. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it'll be uh, it'll be cool. So uh, I just I need to. The goal is, you can check in on me when I get back. The goal is to have 80% of chapter one done. Or like All right. introduction will be technically chapter one, but like first full chapter. Idea is to first have real chapter done so that I can send in a draft copy by December 18th, which is when I'm, it's due to my supervisors. Okay, there you go. I'm kind of getting nervous and scared, but uh, this is like, folks, uh, this year is going to be Father Harrison's uh, rare experiences of anxiety, whereby he will... Uh, be threatened every single day about whether he can actually get this thing done or not. Either you'll get it done or you won't. That's so comforting. Is it? <laughs> Who else is comforting this podcast? Welcome to Clerics to Speak. I'm Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. And I have I have totally entered into the, the priestly cultural bubble, I think. Um, I I have abandoned and shirked off all remnants of worldly living. Because last night, which was um, the Vigil for All Saints Day, I literally did not know what night Halloween was on. Yeah, and by okay. that, I, I don't mean like wet night kids went trick-or-treating. I knew that Halloween was coming up around this time of year, but I didn't know when it was. Mm-hmm. Utterly forgetting that All Hallows Eve is literally like the Vigil for All right. Saints Day. Right. I had no idea. Like it, it disappeared from my brain. Halloween is a total non-thing to me now. Right? Yeah. In fact, last night, I don't even decorate the rectory because I'm often not even home, right? Like, cause mm-hmm. no ch- I'm sorry. I'm not going to tease you guys and, you know, that I have candy there or something like that because I don't. Um, but, like, have here's a question. Like, do you guys get kids trick-or-treating at the rectory? No, because, um, like, the street that we're on, it, there's more, like, businesses on the streets. Okay. The streets that go off our place, they're, they're the more residential areas, but no, no one comes here for trick-or-treating. Okay. Yeah, so my rectory is in a cul-de-sac and stuff. Yeah. I had, like, have social norms changed? Because I had nothing out there to indicate. Like, usually, like, when I was a kid, yeah. back in my day, you know, mm-hmm. when, 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 there were, when, when there was etiquette with Halloween, when there was yes. etiquette, and, 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 and principles and norms of life. Good, you know. All these back when good, society yes. was better than it is today, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, is uh, 
you had to have something on your porch or something like that that said like this is a place you can knock and get candy at like a, a yeah. pumpkin or some sort of decorations or something like that right but at the very least nothing, you knew yeah if there was nothing there you knew that's not a place to go knock because clearly they they hate children well, it, it's it was a waste of time. You only have so much time to be outside. You've got to plan your route, and exactly. if there's not if there's not even a front porch light on, you're skipping that house. Exactly, because you have to be efficient. This is a mission, exactly. and yeah, I, we would always skip those houses without lights on. Right. Well, I got a few knocks last night, and I'm like, I don't have any candy. I didn't answer the That's door. That's just bad parenting. They weren't taught. It's a shame. It, it's <laughs> a sign of societal collapse, in my opinion. Absolutely. So, what do you guys give out uh, up there in Canada? Do you like give out like uh, moose jerky, like uh, maple cotton candy? Like what? What's what are the the treats I don't know, that like, Canadians? So give we out? do have these things called Smarties, which are not your Smarties. Your your Smarties, we call them like rockets or something like that. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, uh, our Smarties are like, kind of like M and M's but better. Okay, so and they sweeter, are chocolate sweeter. candy. Yeah, they're chocolate. <laughs> Candy, yeah. When 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 you eventually come to do a parish mission in my parish, you can try some out. I that would be great. Yeah, uh, I have all this candy. I'm ready to have have you yes, try. Yes, yes. Ignoring that, Father Harrison, what was your favorite candy to get on Halloween? This is an important oh, question. Oh, man, that's a tough. You can give one. me top two or three if you can't choose one. Yeah, probably Crunchy Bars, uh, which actually I have one right now. Crunchy they have, bars. Like, this, uh, they have a sponge toffee filling. It's really tasty. This is this is a Canadian thing. We don't yes, have those. It's a Canadian thing. Well, it's a it's a it's a Commonwealth thing. It's a Commonwealth uh, thing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, an empire thing. Austin. It's a colonialism I, thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the one true empire's thing. Okay. Uh, so there's that. Like uh, caramel would be another one. Mars bars would be a big okay. One. We do have those. Uh, do you? Mars bars, yeah. You do? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I lie about that? <laughs> I've never seen them in the states before. They're you not know, like, like super popular, in my opinion. But like, yeah, no, you, they're, you they're, they're much more popular bar. up here because they don't really exist in the state as much. I think they might have them in like Pennsylvania area, maybe or something like that. Maybe, yeah. yeah but so it's those like are, a, mm-hmm. those are the things I could think off the top of my head. I mean, of course, and when you're a kid, when there's that that one house that gives out mm-hmm. like, the big candy, the regular size. Oh, candy absolutely. Bars, you're just like this. These are the best people in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you love them forever. Yeah, um, exactly. I think uh, so. If it's I see you, this is the, this is a thing, Father Harrison. I believe that, and I don't know if we've discussed this on the podcast before, but I think they, I don't think chocolate should be qualified as candy. Right. There is candy and there is chocolate, in my opinion. So, um, chocolate, as far as my favorite one of those, is Kit Kat bars. I love me a frozen Kit Kat bar. So, Mm -hmm. grab as many of those as I can. That'd be great. And then, as far as candy goes, I think number one are nerds, which are basically just like sugar different Nerds colors of sugar delightful sugar um, is amazing but i don't or, see sorry, them as we'll much see, anymore sugar is amazing but yeah i mean nerds are amazing yes yeah yes yeah. but i don't see nerds anymore as much i do see nerds oh. rope which is very good have you seen nerds rope before no but i, I can guess what it is it's a uh, dentist it's a dentist gold mine probably yes so it's like a piece of like i don't know like taffy kind of thing with like nerds all yeah. on it like i said um, a dentist dentist gold mine it's actually that's what i use to floss my teeth every night anywho uh and it's delightful but they're way too expensive you don't get as much like i want mm. a whole box of nerds and then probably skittles starburst that kind of thing but another thing yeah. that was odd skittles that I starburst, ne- yeah 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 yeah. Sure, yeah my brothers and i never traded candy hmm. like you would think we would 
But yeah. either we weren't allowed to because my parents thought we would get in fights or we didn't realize that was a possibility until right. the last few years that we did the trick-or-treating thing and we realized this is great because my two brothers and I, we do have different candy tastes. So we got to maximize the candy we liked, which was amazing. The best final two years of my trick-or-treating career. Um, we never traded either because I think we largely had similar candy tastes. So mm-hmm, yeah. when everyone got like the Tootsie Rolls, we just all just chuck them. Oh, yeah. Tissy rolls aren't good. No, they're not good. It's not good. Quick Sorry, Nancy story. Columbus. They're just quick, not that quick, good. Quick, quick fun story with that is, uh, so okay. I have a friend. His, uh, he's a dent- He is a dentist, actually. Okay. He's my dentist, actually, now. Uh, but uh, um, when he would take his girls trick-or-treating, he'd take them trick-or-treating, and then he'd get home. He goes, you can have the candy. You can have this $20 bill. Wow. And he would buy the candy off them so they didn't eat it because he's a dentist and thinks sugar is evil fascinating so what do you do with the yeah. candy just throw it away yeah wow i know i know and i'm like and and his his daughter somehow still turned out normal okay but would they take it would they go for it or not i can't remember to be honest i can't remember that part of the story i just thought like that is that is such a dentist thing to do i know but i i see i and don't no know what fun. i would do as a kid because as a kid twenty dollars is a ton of money the thing is if you're de- yeah exactly and also when if you're a dentist uh yeah. If you're a dentist's kid, yeah. you've been indoctrinated against sugar already. So you're probably like not as attracted to it. You know? Maybe. Maybe. But at the same time, like this is your chance for youthful rebellion. You probably never get candy the entire year. This is your one chance, your one night a year. Is it what worth if, $20 for if, you? I don't know. Actually, I've never asked, asked his his daughters this but what yeah. if they start pocketing some of it and yeah here dad here's the bag that's the move though <laughs> that's the move because <laughs> you don't need all that candy grab the stuff the good stuff you like and still get 20 bucks out of it that is exactly. definitely that's the, the way move. yeah here's all these tootsie rolls yeah everyone gave out tootsie rolls this year yep mm-hmm. yeah yeah final candy thought because you mentioned yeah. tootsie rolls have you ever had those like flavored tootsie rolls no they're like they have like different kind of fruit flavor Tootsie Rolls. So it's like consistency of a Tootsie Roll, but different fruit flavors. I've never seen them in any store, but I love them oh so very much. Hmm. And sometimes I would get them. You maybe get them in like, like the big bags of like whatever Tootsie Roll brand yeah. there is, but they are amazing. Final, final candy thought. Okay. Uh, when I was in high school, these came out in Canada. I think they're pretty much banned in Canada now. Uh, I don't know. I've never seen them here ever since. Uh-huh. There's this. I think you can still get them in some pockets of the states. They're not as popular as they used to be. I think because they probably literally destroyed teeth. Is now and later's? Yes, yes. I swear they put crack in them. <laughs> you, once you have one, you're like, I have to eat the entire package. Oh, I have three packages. Oh, I have to eat the whole thing. I don't care if it doesn't taste good or not. I have to eat it. Like, if it's a flavor I didn't care for, I'm like, I don't care. I don't care if it's banana. I'm eating the whole thing. See, I, I was never a fan of those. They were I like love... too hard. They were too hard well, to they consume. Were, they're they're softer now. Last time I've had them, but they're very hard to get. Yeah. Hint, hint. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh, Good talk. All right. uh, uh, you know, we've talked about how the emergencies that happen around Halloween candy, but there are there are more substantial, the, the real emergencies of life, mm. the theological emergencies. Mm. Hi, fathers. This is Sarah from Atlanta. I just watched the new West Side Story movie, and there's a scene where Tony and Maria go on their first date, and they're in a church. They kneel down and they actually say wedding vows to one another and then sing this song, One Hand, One Heart. And it's presented in the story as if they're fantasizing about getting married and wanting 
to have a life together. But my question is, would that sacramentally marry them? Because it seemed like all the necessary things are present. And later in the movie, they do share a bed. And I would really like to think that that happened within wedlock. Um, Yeah, I've been really wondering about this. Thanks for taking the time to answer. Praying for you guys. Bye-bye. I've never seen West Side Story, and I've never... I don't know. Uh, the only th- the only thing I know about West Side Story is yeah, you know the gangs or whatever. That's all I really know about it. So, all right. See, here's my question: Is I mean, names like Tony and Maria, and it's like West Side Story, which I'm presuming is New York. Is it New Jersey? I don't know. I'm a West Side Story person. Coast, right? Yeah, sure. Why not? Probably. There's a lot of people who are mad at us right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Send in your emails, nerds who like yeah. musicals. You bunch of yeah, dorks. Exactly. Go for nerds, it. I don't care. Nerds. Um, I uh, I'm presuming Tony and Maria are pretty Catholic names. Well, definitely Maria is right because I think it's like is that Tony the, is Anthony. Tony. I, that's yeah, true. Tony from the but Bronx. I, maybe it is. I'm I'm remembering that like she's actually because what is it? Whatever sharks or jets they are, they're like a Puerto Rican gang or something. Okay. So likely at least one of them is Catholic. Probably yeah. both. I don't know. So, okay. So, I mean, it's not a sacramental marriage. No, it's not. No it chance. Lacks, it lacks It lacks, uh, lacks. the form. Mm-hmm. What's the form, Father Anthony? You have to be married in a church before a priest, unless you get special permission, paperwork, blah, 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 blah. Or so, Or having a deacon. You have to have, you know, yeah. A cleric. A cleric. A clerical witness, if you will. Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 and, you can't do and that two thing. witnesses. Mm-hmm. Right? If it's lacking yep, yep. the priest, the two witnesses, and intent. So here's the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way she's portraying the scene is, like, it's a, it's a wistful thing. Like, they're saying the vows in this hopeful way of what we're going to share one day together, uh, which tells me the lack of intent exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means it wouldn't be valid. Like, okay. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't be valid even there. Not that, that if everything, it, if everything else was in place, then it wouldn't be valid, but it'd have to be like discovered through an annulment process. Um, but I, I think, um, I do think that uh, it would just be 100% not sacramental at all. Now, if they're Protestants, then maybe, the I, maybe. Here's the thing. At least nowadays, you pretty much have to have someone that witnesses a marriage. Like even in law, you need someone mm-hmm. to witness it. You need two witnesses and a civil representative, which they get from this church, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I don't even think, I mean, int- like, it may actually be, like if it was a Protestant thing, they may actually be married, but there'd be no way to verify this. And so the church would ask them to give consent again. Yeah. Uh, there actually is now, I think, certain things in certain states where you can just marry yourselves. Like you can get permission to do that. You still need to fill out forms and blah, blah, blah. So um, it's um, secularized celibacy? Uh, to marry your no, no. I, I mean, like uh, the couple can marry each other. Oh, okay, okay, themselves. Yeah, uh. yeah not like marry oneself, but they would marry oh, themselves. I'm marrying myself. Yes, so that's a thing too. But the point is, those characters that you love are definitely, definitely going straight to hell. <laughs> Tony dies, going straight to hell. I forget if Maria dies, but she will eventually, and she just, just all the way to the bottom. Yeah. Um. So yeah. that's why I think about your. Yeah. Musical. There's a special circle in hell for uh, sinners and musicals. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
All right. <laughs> Cleared up that one. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Hi, this is Bridget from Nebraska. I was wondering about sacred images and how we should treat them. Um, so, for example, um, let's say I have a holy card with uh, Madonna and child on it. Should I let my toddler um, play with that? He will definitely give Mary and Jesus kisses, but it will probably also end up bent, maybe torn, and definitely on the floor at some point. Um, is that okay? Should should um, it be treated with more reverence because it depicts Mary and Jesus? Um, any thoughts would be appreciated. Uh, thank you. Love the podcast. Bye. All right, Bridget, if that is your real name. Um, so, first of all, I think it's pretty much impossible for toddlers to be reverent in any way except by accident. I think that's a thing you have to like grow up and learn how to be. Um, so it's not like you can't ask a toddler to do something. You can't ask a person to do something that is impossible for them. Uh, but beyond beyond that sort of thing, I think it's important to have, um, you know, if you have a special holy card that you have a, you know, it's blessed, you have a reverence for, you probably shouldn't give that to your kid. But if you got something like um, they have these little like, um, rosaries for teething now which are super cute and you get that blessed and you give that to the baby is that irreverent i don't think so because that's what the purpose is for you know you're surrounding your child with sacramentals that are meant for that child to be used in the way that your child can use them so um if it am blessed you know i would have like just make sure it's your kids and not for a different purpose if that makes sense um if it's just a regular old holy card that has been blessed and um you want your kid just to be more more familiar with uh, sacred images, images of Mary, images of Jesus, and that card ends up getting bent or whatever, I, I think that's fine. I don't think that's a big deal. Um, yeah, what do you think, Father Harrison? The first image that came to mind for me uh, mm -hmm. was, um, oh, it's uh, St. Therese, right, where she wants to be Jesus's plaything, and if he chooses to throw her in the corner and forget about her, she's okay with that. <laughs> and so I figure that's the logic of a saint who knows how Jesus would play like would play with things and thus if if he can do that with these things i think he's okay with it being kind of done in return almost like so because what it you're i don't a, a child at that age is probably not going to know why it's a bad thing you know it's different to, for a 16 year old to tear it up than for a two-year-old mm -hmm. um but if they see how you treat like images of Mary or a statue of Mary or, you know, how you just talk about Mary, they might even start to intuit very quickly that this is a, this is something special and I want to treat it reverently. But if yeah. the course they're going to, you know, it's in the end, it's a piece of paper. It's, it's not, uh, you know, irreverence is when we're intentionally wanting to undermine something that is holy and that's not happening here in any way. Shape yeah, no. And so, and again, in some ways, it teaches a child in the right sense of this phrase to be comfortable with the holy. Mm -hmm. That, um, that this is something that gives life. Yeah. So, um, but I, I think say also... let the slobber happen. <laughs> yeah. Let it just let slobber over all over. And it. I think it's fair that like as the kid gets older, you 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 change the rules a bit. You know, I, I've seen a bunch of parents. You know, uh, maybe uh, a kid has like a baby doll and they throw it on the ground. Like, no, you can't throw babies. Like, because they're trying to teach the, the kid to be gentle with yeah. other children, that sort of thing. So you can do the same sort of thing with holy images. But I wouldn't stress about it if your kids grow a little. Exactly. As, I mean, like, and again, it's like, and then as they grow older, you start to help them understand 
uh, why, or at least why this is different, right? And then, well, how would we treat this if it's this special? Mm-hmm. Like, would you treat it the same as a as a toy or something like that? You'd be like, oh, well, no. And it's like these are opportunities for education, right? Yeah, yeah. Word. Good question. Fun question. Yeah, that was fun. All right, uh, time for some PE. So yes, we're not calling it that. No, <laughs> we're not calling it that. It's been it's almost time two. For... <laughs> Did you get frozen again? <laughs> no. Oh no, you just. No. <laughs> it's time for prisoner exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh yes, yes. quite good, quite good. Indubitably, <laughs> I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. <laughs> yes. yes, quite. All right. Yes, um, I uh. I have an idea I want to talk okay. about. I just, I'm not sure how I'm going to land the plane, to be honest. I've been writing some notes while we've been talking here just to make sure I kind of keep on track. So, um, some stats came out this week. Some sass? So, some stats. Some stats. Oh, some statistics. Some, yeah. Yeah. Some statistics. Some okay. numbers. Some numbers. Sounds boring. And some, you know, yeah. And the only reason I found out about it is I got like three media inquiries about this. So, I was like, oh, okay. Um, the first one is, is was a bit of a surprise. And then I was like, I didn't realize we were that high here. Uh, my, my city set a record uh, in 2021. Ooh. What are you yes. guys the, the winners of? The most secular city in Canada. Yay! Good job. 63% of people who live in Nanaimo consider themselves secular, unaffiliated, unreligious, etc. Mm-hmm. That's quite high. That's, yeah. That's very high. And in fact, like for the entire province of BC, it's about 50%. It's very high. Secularism. I'd be willing to bet you'd be hard-pressed to find any city in america with that kind of number yes i i would agree with you 100 percent there um so that was it, it was like it, it was weird it's one of those things that was like shocking and not because like you just see that number like wow that's really high i never would have thought it was that high right but at the same time there's a certain air here and it doesn't surprise me either is it the chemtrails you think uh, i'm pretty sure it's the 5g Ah, that's how they get some <laughs> sucks all the god out of their brains. Yes, they become so all secular. Like that was the first stat. The second okay. stat, though, Fun is actually stat. more troubling to me. I mean, uh, the the second stat's a bit more troubling to me, to be honest. I mean, again, there's a lot of factors that go into this, but uh, when you're speaking about these broad numbers like this, so in the last five years, uh, the population, or sorry, the last uh, ten years, sorry, the last ten years. The population of Canada has grown by around 5.5 million. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a that's a pretty decent increase. A lot of immig- it's mostly immigration. Sure, nobody's having babies. Um, but the Catholic population has decreased in the same span by two million. Wow. Yeah. Now I think a lot of this has to do with Quebec, for example. Quebec's with this generation of people, most of them would have been baptized as babies mm-hmm. uh, prior to the 60s and then into the 60s even. Like, it was quite a common thing back then, even before the Quiet Revolution. So, you're, as the, uh, 
as the boomer generation starts to enter into its its final stage of life mm-hmm. generally sure um that's a very it's very top heavy here in canada sure it's yeah. actually i think one of the reasons why we're having strains on like our healthcare system and stuff we have a very top heavy generation of people that our system isn't prepared to handle because we haven't been promoting having like you know babies to right re- not to necessarily replace, but to support the system properly. Right. So we need, doctors, we need, nurses, we need good people. capitalist babies to make money so they can support the old people. Well, well no. They Is that the reason just, why? The no, church? no, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm have jobs like nurses yeah. so that they can yeah, yeah, yeah. like work in the hospital. We don't have enough of those. Like, yeah. Or problem, just, you know, right? to take care of their own parents and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but that, that was, that told me, like I'd be, the one thing I don't know about is, okay, so then what is the death to baptism ratio i doubt it's very high um catholics i think account for about a third of the population of canada so you know we've got you know we it's it's uh so that's the thing that like that's been mitigated by baptisms okay (laughs) essentially right in 10 years so however many baptisms are happening in canada per year it's not mitigating sufficiently the death uh the death correct yes right that is, uh, I don't know. The only word that came to me was catastrophe. That seems like a fair word. Yeah. Is there any other word you can think of? Like, if um, you hear those numbers, what do you think? I, man, you know, because in some ways, they're just extreme versions of what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got some stats about our parishes and stuff. And in a lot of our parishes in my diocese, there's more deaths and baptisms and that sort of thing. It's just right. not quite as staggering. Um, uh, same thing with a lot of stuff with where you at. Like we're having more and more of a priest shortage, but you guys have like a major priest shortage. Well, depends on the diocese too, right? Like depends my on the diocese, diocese, I guess. Is, again, my, I, well, yeah. also like over, I think it was almost 11,000 people in my, in, on Vancouver Island last year. Mm-hmm. This it's Vancouver Island is probably the most secular region in Canada. Um, over about eleven, just under eleven thousand people asked for euthanasia and had euthanasia last year on Vancouver Island alone. That's insane. We have a population of just under a million people on Vancouver Island. So that's about one percent mm-hmm. of your population that asked for euthanasia in one year. That yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I mean, it's bad. It's, it's bad. not good. It's bad. No, it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Yes, there's lots of opportunity here, but this is my um, listen, I, hope is always uh, reigning true for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hope is also based in reality. So I read, I didn't read the Riot Act per se at Mass this weekend, but I was, uh, <laughs> I got, uh, I got spicy. Did you? Yes. I got spicy talking about how we failed as Catholics. Mm-hmm. You know, because, okay, so in my city, there's probably around 11,000 Catholics. About 10% of those people come to Mass every Sunday. 10 whole percent? Yeah. I, I always, I've always remembered of that like little story. I think it's from like the 1920s or something like that where they did a census of Italians and it said 90% of Italians go to Mass every Sunday and the bishop said, oh my gosh, we've lost the laity. Yeah. Right. And you're just like, and we're like, today we're like, man, we would kill for something like that, you know? It'd be insane. <laughs> It'd be insane. insane if we right? had that many people going to mass. Exactly. So, um, I mean, listen, we can't, 
we can't fix overarching trends. Uh, in the end, trends are only changed when each person takes responsibility. So I was preaching about, I was kind of using Zacchaeus as like a, as an example. I mean, I, I, I could have gone on for like an hour about the gospel this weekend. I was, I don't know if you ever, do you ever notice the, um, the, uh, the symbol of the Paschal mystery in Zacchaeus being played out? Um, he, he climbs a tree. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then he descends from the tree. Mm-hmm. And then he stands. And oh, he is the okay, one yeah. in, a cr- in a crowd who hates him. Like I missed that last part. He's one in a crowd who hates him. Oh, sorry. I, I messed with my volume. Say that one more time. All right. And he is one in a crowd who hates him. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's okay, like yeah. It was just like I, it hit me for the first. I'm like, man, this is so cool. That's pretty good. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was fun to find out. Like the same word for possessions is the same one from the rich young man mm-hmm. uh, from a couple months ago. Uh, unless you go and sell your hyper cousin, you know, like the essence of yourself. That, mm. That's the same word for Zacchaeus's possessions. Mm-hmm. So he gives away the stuff that, anyways. Um, but you know, I was just reflecting on how you know it's if we actually look at experience, it's very rare. It's almost a, it's. Even in the the state of someone who does a radical change like Zacchaeus does, it is preceded by a lot of reflection and dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. Like he's already dispossessed himself of his things. He's just trying to figure out what what direction he's supposed to act on with it all, and what he's you know. So he's like he's he's already he's already unsatisfied. So I was talking about, you know, exploring our heart and looking within. Cause I said, you know, in the end, why are we, why is this happening? Because we have failed to see that faith as life giving as true and therefore for everyone. But here's my concern. I've been reflecting on that this weekend a bit after that, you know, lots of compliments, lots of, wow, I needed to hear that. Oh my gosh, you're right. Like blah, blah, blah. Okay. I doubt what I said is actually going to change much of anything. Um, two questions. Yep. One is, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. And two is, why does that matter? Okay. I'm going to answer the latter one first because um, it's simpler. Is It matters because it means that if we're not living the gospel more clearly for not creating the church as like a space for freedom in life and we don't see it as life-giving why are we here <laughs> like honestly why are we here again it's not just i do agree with the idea that the church is here comes everyone and people come from all states of life from all different circumstances at different stages in their spiritual life like it is literally like the whole of humanity kind of comes to mass every sunday in a way right mm-hmm. you get the whole spectrum of things but I'm, I'm thinking more like those who who kind of purport to be into their faith i i i, I don't know i i'm it matters because Jesus matters. And shouldn't he matter absolutely for every Catholic? And thus through them for the world? Hmm. I mean, yes, obviously the answer to that question is yes. Um, but I'm thinking like, I, I don't want to get super dark or anything. Um, but what does a prophet normally do oh no i 
dude, that I'm fine with. Like, I'm not yeah. talking about my own effectiveness. Okay, like mm-hmm. in here, like it's it's it's, it's it, I, I'm not really worried about that in my in my sure. thing. Um, I think part of the reason it matters is because I think for some in the pews, sometimes mm-hmm. again, I'm I am reflecting on experience i'm not making an absolute judgment on any group of people or anything like that but i just need um because one of the things i really try to draw out is that in the end we're actually most of us are practical atheists yeah sure 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 sure. we come to mass every sunday Mm -hmm. because we refuse to acknowledge the abyss of nothingness over which we hand within and I think that happens oh, sorry, even... You got you to do that one again slower. Oh, <laughs> because we refuse to acknowledge the abyss of nothingness over which we hang with that within our heart. And I think... And this is like... It's a hard thing. Like it, it's... And I think sometimes for me, it's a translation thing of... I recognize this deep down within my own self. I think I see it every day in the parish and in all these different ways. But because if Christ is true, like then we're all on the same team. We're going to... Uh, uh, we're going to accept uh, what the church teaches as she teaches it. We're going to accept liturgy as it is given to us and not fight over it. We're going to accept uh, the great tradition as it's been given us. And we're going to go out with fire in our bellies to want to help others come to know this. Um, and I think for a lot, some not a lot, I think for some at least is maybe the best way to put it right now because I don't actually know each person who comes to Mass every Sunday. Sure, absolutely. For some, I think there's never been there's almost like a avoidance of their own nihilism and thus jesus becomes therapeutic so i don't actually have to look at that oh there's something to that yes yeah and that actually only when we start to take that seriously can we actually start to really evangelize because then we can say to those outside the church etc and society all that jazz I experience the same thing you do in my heart and but it's not hopeless actually because God's gone there <laughs> yeah okay so one I love the idea that we can use Jesus as a distraction and an idol uh, to distract us from Christ himself <laughs> like this yeah. this going to mass um, hearing a good word Uh, being stirred with some sort of natural religious fervor can actually just be a distraction from the truth. Uh, That's tricky, but I think that definitely happens. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I'm I'm thinking of... Okay, no, no, two more things. Yes, absolutely, we... We are... We have a particular challenge in which it is very easy. It's easier for us to find distractions from our reality today than otherwise and i don't mean distractions just by like media and that even though completely uh like media and those things yeah those are the distractions but also simply the cultural air we breathe Mm -hmm. is is full of this okay Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's the thing and the other thing i'm thinking about is how do uh, uh, this tell me if this is like pushing the topic in a different direction but is the is the work of the holy spirit is growth always a fruit of the holy spirit no 
make that sound like a more difficult question than <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, no. but like okay you yeah. see no, you I think you're because right I think you're right can be convicting right and you can and he can like actually reveal the truth that you say no I'm not I'm not going that direction I actually right. going to push away from God this is the hardening of hearts sort of thing yeah. Uh, yeah so you know it's it's hard for me to there is this idea that if we just do everything right then the church will grow um yeah yeah Go ahead, sir, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but also part of me is like, well, isn't it possible that the Lord sends us to places to take care of the few that are faithful, mm-hmm. to present an opportunity for many mm-hmm. to convert, mm-hmm. but also then to be the object of their judgment? Uh, how do I want to put this? Um, that like... Whenever Christ is presented, there is a choice. Mm. And your life does not begin until you make that choice, whether to accept or reject him. And that can be kind of bumpy along the way of life, right? We have different Mm -hmm. opportunities. Um, But in order to truly be free, sometimes I think God pushes that question to the forefront. Right. And and so I think sometimes we can, a, a prophet, if you will, can be sent to a place like this we see in the Old Testament and... People are then free to completely harden their hearts yes. because that's what they want to do. Yes, yes. And, and I'm so, fine with that. Like, I am fine with that, honestly. Right. I really am, I guess. Yeah, I just... And it's funny because then um, you get you can get easily, like... I'm not speaking necessarily from experience here, just knowing right. other priests or other people who work in ministry or, or just other people in parishes you recognize this or something akin to this and then people just call you idealistic which is not true actually Mm -hmm. because we're being the most realistic because we're being dealing with the questions of reality in life here um there's that or uh often it's like well we just got to do more you see because you refuse to to make the liturgy fun or something like that (laughs) um that's why things that's why that's the reason for the big problem okay and i'm like no 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 i'm done with this whole like this is why I'm I'm actually kind of done with the whole oh it's all Vatican II's fault like nope sorry wrong it's not worth wrong. addressing <laughs> almost well no because what, what's wrong is you and me well yeah right um us all of us who you who are listening we are the ones who are wrong with things mm-hmm. <laughs> to put it bluntly here for a second um and again it's not like a universal judgment I guess but it's about to say. Do you, we have a tendency to say, oh, well, if we only change this system, this right. structure, this teaching, this council of, of the church or whatever, uh, how the papacy runs, this, 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 it's all systemic changes. Like, ladies and gentlemen, that is, um, that is one of the most modernist things we can do as Catholics is to say the first thing you need is systemic change. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as I think we know, not even from just church history, just from life itself, a systemic change rarely happens. And even when it happens, it often gets interfered. Uh, it gets reduced, uh, diluted, etc. Why? Because in the end, the system's not the problem. People are the problem. <laughs> right. And, and so, a system is only a systemic change is only as good as the people who want the change itself. Mm-hmm. And so, if people don't want the change, 
which is not changing for the sake of changing. It's for the Catholic, it's metanoia. It is conversion. It is a return to Christ more radically and to acknowledge I have failed in this. I have failed. Like, honestly, since the homilies weekend, I've been like reflecting like, man, where have I failed to evangelize? Where have I failed mm-hmm. to spread the gospel? And many times probably. Now, listen, like we get afraid. We're not sure if that's the right timing for things. And those are all like, I think fair. I'm not saying like we have to be like on the, we have to be on a soapbox on a street corner proclaiming the gospel. Although at the same time, have you ever experienced that? You realize, man, someone's so convinced that they're going to they're gonna expose themselves to random strangers to say, this is the truth for your life. And there's something to that, I think, you know? Is it the right way? I don't know. But I think it, they are the risk they are taking is far better than our risk of just huddling up in the church building every Sunday and then refusing to talk about Jesus to anyone else. Sure. Assuming what they're doing is genuine and not narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, but I think this is like, so my point in the homily at least was personal responsibility. Like this is a theme that's becoming very much a big thing for me is personal responsibility. Things will, the larger, the larger systemic changes, the larger trends, the larger stats, all this jazz only change insofar as we take responsibility for our cooperation and decline. But guess this is the good news. We're not bound to that. We all bear the fullness of humanity. And you and I have the ability to choose a new today, Christ. And thus to proclaim him to others. This is the good news of the whole thing. We're not fated to decline. Like, I think this is the problem. We've all thought we've been fated to decline. We might be. We don't have to be though. Right. We don't have to be. And I think I, I think this is this is um I think this is a major issue. And I think because uh, yeah, I've got many ideas around this. You get kind of gets around to your first question, um which was um not why does this matter? It's like why why do you think this is, right? That was your yeah. Why do you think that people might not listen or care to listen or, or mm-hmm. so forth? I think there's definitely spiritual issues always. Like I don't sure, want sure. to confront my own heart. I don't, I'm, I'm happy with a comfortable Catholicism. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with the status quo. I'm happy to come to mass once a week and say my prayers and that's enough. And it's not to say that that's not enough. It's just, I guess when you encounter Jesus, like you're given now an infinite desire that can be fulfilled infinitely. Mm-hmm which means it doesn't stop. And so why why would the bare minimum be enough, I guess, right? Like, so listen, I think I'm gonna just, I'm not gonna develop this point too much right now. I think it might be maybe another episode or something like that. Cause I've been pondering this a little bit just as a quick little thing. Like my, uh, um, it looks like things are good and, and we'll, we'll have to wait and see a few more tests and stuff. My dad got, my parents came to visit this weekend and my dad got him into the hospital like two hours in here with pancreatitis. Yeah. Um, and, uh, then developed a bit of an infection. Things are good. They're going to send him home either today or tomorrow, which is good. But, um, you know, these events are like pancreatitis is serious and, uh, sure. they found a mass. Yeah, looks absolutely. like it's not cancer, which is good, but still like, you hear the word mass, you hear these things and it's, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're like, damn, death is real. Yeah. Super scary. Right. And 
I've known that forever. I know that as a truth, but the experience made the idea real. And I yeah. think this is part of the problem. We don't see ideas as real or connected to reality because we're formed with this notion that an idea is an ideology that we impose on reality to manipulate it for our own ends. That's a whole other thing. But I think that's, a, that's, that's why it's hard for the truth to convict because we actually don't see the truth as real until we make it real. Okay. Um, so I think that's one of the, that is, I think one of the, uh, an idea should claim us because it's, because ideas and experience are meant to coincide. They're not one or the other, but experientially today, we see ideas as separated from experience as purely theoretical and abstract and all this stuff. When in fact they're, they're describing the most real things. And so when we hear these numbers or whatever, they don't, they don't, or the truth of Jesus, because we don't actually see them tied to experience. The problem then becomes though, we don't, we don't actually criticize what we know by the word experience how we understand that and we don't analyze our experience rationally in the right sense of the word to see if what we are thinking about life is actually true. Like for me, I might've mentioned this before on the podcast, the question of my destiny like presses on my heart every single day. I can't not, that question can't not be there in some way, shape or form. The day, the times I'm most unhappiest is when I cease to let that question press as much as it should. Hmm. Uh, because it's not an anxiety thing. It's a, uh, I'm made for something other right. than myself. And that's where my destiny lies. That's where my fulfillment lies. That's where my holiness lies. Well, that's Christ. And so am I allowing him to, conf- I have to conform my life constantly to his. Um, and those questions, that is like, Listen, because I, this is something I said, maybe can I make, if the question of why am I here is not the most important question on our life, then we've already made our decision that nothing matters. Mm-hmm. And then why are we here at mass? And if we refuse to allow that question, and it's going to come up for differently for different people, obviously, in the sense of like subjectively appropriating yeah. it, I guess. But if that, if that's just gone and I just don't care, You've already made your decision. That question ought is a clarifying question. It clears the cobwebs of ideology and lets me see my experience as it's really kind of meant to be. It lets me start to see reality as it's meant to be, whereby now Christ's light now shines not just on me, but on reality itself. And thus I don't see, I start to see like almost every action, if you will, as a step towards my destiny. And thus towards my fulfillment. And thus life becomes like the most exciting and life-giving. Um, but we refuse to judge our experience to see if how we're trying to fulfill desire is actually the right way. And thus we're okay with the status quo. We're okay with contentment. And the fruit of that is coming clear. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I monologued. Um, I guess I struggle with how to have both hope and detachment Mm -hmm. in ministry, Mm -hmm. how to have hope that Christ is the one who converts hearts, that he really does make saints, 
Um, of course, there are actually times I get glimpses of that in the parish, actually. Mm-hmm. Probably more times than I allow myself to be thankful for, but it happens mm-hmm. you know, a good bit. Um, but it can be so easy to see those lights as bright as they are. They seem to be few in comparison to the rest, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but how to, like, firmly believe in that mm-hmm. and to push oneself to be utterly available to the Lord for his work and also to be content when you see no fruit. Mm. Right. That's like, and so a lot of times my brain goes to the absolute darkest timeline and be like, well, I mean, I'm just, I'm just a a, a priest ministering um, at a hospice. That's Mm -hmm. basically my life's vocation. Mm -hmm. Uh, The church is in hospice in this area of the world. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's a part of that that's not completely wrong, but it's also right. the way I look at it is oftentimes very wrong. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and like um, for me, it's it's not about like, again, like I actually don't, I care and don't care how people react. Yeah, of course. Okay. So like when I mean that is I don't care in that I know I can't control things. And I, and it's not about the most persuasive homily or the most, you know, intellectually brilliant <laughs> homily to convince people. It, it's, but I care that people don't care. Right. Uh, because the second we don't care is the second we stop desiring. And the second we stop desiring is the second we stop being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. Like modernity has suffocated us in this regard. Like, because, and I see it all the time. Well, I'm content. I can watch my football game. I can, you know, I can go for dinner once a week. I go on a couple of nice vacations a year. I've got the two kids, the home. Um, modernity has tricked us to think that that's all that that life requires, and and it is hard, like because we also know that when we when we risk love, we also risk being hurt. Mm-hmm. And when yeah, I notice that a lot of woundedness happens when people start to get stuck in a kind of certain age. This is how things were done, and it worked for me. It gave me life back then because it maybe did rescue them from something that really did hurt sure. them. But then they can't say well is this the right method for today right we don't our methods are not open to the present like and so like because faith then is not just a a one and done deal it can't be because to be human it's not a one and done deal imagine just saying you say the vows on your wedding day mm-hmm. and you never say i love you again yeah right you never show affection you never do anything it's like that marriage is dead mm-hmm. eventually right to be human is to choose the event of christ every day because that event is always present and it, like the way I was praying about this morning, actually, like it's almost like, yes, there's a time where that I make a fundamental choice about that in the sense of a direction. Uh, I know for me it was January eighth, two thousand four, the night of my conversion. Yeah, uh, I know that was the day that things changed. It fundamentally changed everything. But it's not like I have to. I'm not like intentionally thinking. Okay, I have to choose Jesus when I'm moving this, these chairs around and everything right, right, like right. this, right? Because like that's I think why people get afraid of it. It's like, wait, so I have to like consciously think of this? No, no. It's I'm choosing the light of Christ today to enlighten my life, and to see that if I see these choices in in light of His light, then they are good choices to make and the right way to go. If I don't, that tells me it's sin and moving me away from God. And insofar as I'm choosing the light, I am choosing my destiny, and I'm, I'm encountering it today. It's reality for me today. But I have to do that every day. I have to choose love every day. I have to choose Christ every single day. If I don't, then of course he dies in me. Mm-hmm. 
the spirit becomes sick. And so I, I, and I know in the end it's weird. I don't know if it's the homily that's going to change most people anyways. It can. People like it. They enjoy it or whatever. But like I'm becoming more and more convinced. I just got to pray and fast more and do penance well, more. Well, you know, actually I'll, I'll tell you a thought after we're done with the show uh, about that. But um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there is there is power in preaching. That's kind of how the gospel is, mm-hmm. you know, proclaimed and everything. Um, so we shouldn't minimize that. But also, right. uh, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of things going on with that. One is um, God doesn't care about one single homily, and right. he'll allow us to be humbled so that our souls can be saved as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you never know with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think about all the things that led to my conversion mm-hmm. it was a lot of little things mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't even necessarily words from a homily i remembered mm-hmm. but the general movement of the spirit that was going on mm-hmm. during that action mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah no, man no, i'm no. just i i don't yeah. want to be the, the like, i don't want to be the guy that makes everything sound simple right um because that can be a kind of naive and idealistic <laughs> thing you know and we yeah. i do that but man i'm becoming utterly more and more convinced that it actually is mm-hmm. it's holiness mm-hmm. uh, there's a period i i didn't uh it's holiness there we go <laughs> like it really ah uh, you know because and, and, and but holiness yeah. that needs to be experienced not just from the priest like this yes. is why the church is a social being first in many ways mm-hmm. and this like part of it the problem is is this individualistic christianity that says well it's just me and jesus and that's a very strong thing even in catholicism mm-hmm. yeah i i i'm gonna do what i want during the liturgy i'm gonna pray my way during the liturgy i don't care what the church says or anything like this i'm gonna yeah. pray my rosary while the consecration is going on or whatever again not trying to like say it's absolutely wrong but i'm just saying like but like anyways you know i am not the judge of my of what's best for me christ is and right. so in all of that it's I I but we need to allow Christ as the one who binds us together, who helps us grow in holiness together, and we see each other chase holiness and that inspires us to want to do it. So like this individualistic, almost like Nietzschean self willing Christianity needs to die a quick death if we want mm-hmm. in the parish and, and where does it start it starts in the parish it starts in the family it starts in the friendships it starts in different groups like i'm seeing some really amazing fruit and, and by the way like i'm this is not me trying to be hopeless or anything i'm just like i'm just i just i want i want the desire that christ brings in my that christ has inflamed in my heart to be for everyone to have i want that for everyone and how could I, and it, it, it saddens me when some don't want it mm-hmm. and it should, but cause I've hit some major walls in my ministry in different areas and different decisions or whatever. And I see why priests get jaded. Sure. Um, maybe I haven't been heard enough. I don't know, but I refuse to let that stop me. Mm-hmm because Christ is worth it because he is true he is for everyone and I want everyone to know what I know uh, I've verified it in my own life in my own experience to a point where I cannot reject it and I can't let anything stand in my way and that's not idealism 
that is mm-hmm. realism because I'm choosing yeah. the one the one thing necessary. Uh, I just want that for everyone, right? And I and I, I see so I'm seeing fruit too. Like this is the kind of the cool thing in it all is like we're actually seeing some counter trends in our parish. You know, rel- non religions growing in an island, yet our parish is growing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just got an email yesterday, RCA candidate number twenty one. Which is crazy for a parish your size. Like yes, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's uh, that's um, that's like three percent of our mass attendance on Sunday. <laughs> Just out, of, almost always out of nowhere. Uh, a vibrant young adult group that's serving the parish, and like you know, we're seeing a lot of. I had like ten altar servers on Sunday. It was awesome. That's cool. And, and people are seeing that as life giving. And that's the thing. People are like, oh, I want that. And like parents starting their email. Hey, can my kids ultra serve? Yeah, yep. of course. Yep. And so I think like these little things are starting to rub off. Uh, and that's a good thing. And I pray and hope that we go can continue this direction. People can see like it's all life giving because it's Christ who is life. Anyways, that's so I had other things to say, but I'm going to stop there. That's good. You have a you have a script to read. I do. Thanks for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me grabbing more coffee in between recordings of Clerically Speaking. You can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at ClericallySpeaking at gmail.com. Do you have a theological emergency? Call 412-912-7995. That's 412-912-7995. Peace. God bless.